This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, and happy Earth Day to you, Tony. <laughs> That's right. I totally forgot. But I went out and rented a Mack triaxle dump truck and drove it around all day just You should just, just let it idle in front of your house. Exactly. <laughs> so in, in recognition of Earth Day, I thought I'd read what I received from my waste management company and their recycling arm today. Earth, Earth Day. Um, they want to debunk the recycling myth. Not the myth you and I think of, which is it's a joke and why are we doing it? The myth of what things should you recycle? So, Tony, they call it the big four. The big four. Can you think of what the big four might be? I know, I know it's a tough question. Plastic. Okay. Glass. Okay. Um, I don't know what else. Okay, so they say corrugated cardboard. I was going to say cardboard, but I've noticed – here's the reason I didn't say cardboard because we've recently been putting out – I put out large cardboard boxes yeah. assuming it's recycling, and, and the recycling not. guys don't take it. The garbage guys take it. That's interesting. So that's confused me now. Well, they say the corrugated cardboard, plastic bottles and jugs with a neck. With a neck? I, I don't know what that – without a neck, is that not recyclable? <laughs> I don't know. Metal food and beverage cans and glass bottles and jars. Everything else does not belong in your recycling bin. Now, here's the kicker. If you think something may be recyclable, like newspaper or plastic bags, you should look for a potential drop-off location. Sure. Do not put anything other than the big four in your recycling bin. And here's their catchphrase. Remember the phrase, when in doubt, throw it out. (laughs) (laughs) This is the recycling people. When in doubt, but it's the throw same, it out. It's the same people. <laughs> I know. It's this, and it's all going to the same landfill. But wasn't that the – before it was like, we must recycle. Now we just want the big four. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. I have read a few articles. Um, I don't often read about recycling. but it seems like it's they, top of your list. Yes, they caught my eye. And the general uh, takeaway is that it is becoming economically infeasible. Uh, to do yes, this. Yes, China won't take our China will anymore. not take it. And so many of these waste management companies who were previously making a tidy profit on the recycling venture have basically said, we can't keep doing this because it's a loss leader. And so they're kind of phasing this out in many, many areas. They're just saying, you know, it doesn't matter. So it's all <laughs> it's it's all a giant boondoggle as far as I'm concerned. It just is. Well, it, it's been like that for a long time, and I think people are starting to recognize it really takes more energy to recycle the cardboard than you actually get for it. But sure, let's just recycle it. If I had my way, you know, I, I would – and I do my little – Moments of defiance where I just throw all the recycling in the uh, what's supposed to be recycling into the trash can. Um, I, I would I would just commingle everything and put it out for the trash. I mean, it's just the whole exercise is silly. It just is. Well, it, it has been. So let's switch gears a little bit. I, I received this this week about um, white privilege. OK, we talk about that in a lot of things. I think you may be the most privileged yes, white person I know. Obviously, I'm the most white privileged. Did you know that there's a Joint Council of Librarians of Color Conference? 
apparently librarians are racists. I, I didn't know this. I didn't realize this happened. Did you, were you aware of this organization exists? Well, this doesn't surprise me at all. I wasn't actually aware of them, but they, they should exist in this environment. So, so this person's writing a blog, and they said one of the mind-blowing things that was shared at this conference was the, how, the idea of how our library collections, because they are written mostly by straight white men, are a physical manist- manifestation of white men ideas taking up all the space in our library stacks. <laughs> of course. And they said, It's perfectly logical. <laughs> they said, basically, white people want to stay being white, like it's a choice, because of the privilege and protection whiteness affords under the law that they created. He goes on to say, whiteness and property share a common premise, a conceptual nucleus of a right to exclude. And they're writing a book. Oh, um, notions of private property, the right to exclude. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so they go on to say something about, let me find it here. Uh, no, 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 no. It just goes on and on about people of color and how we need to have more people of color uh, as librarians. But... It's the new – here's the thing. I always thought, historically we learned this, that segregation is bad, and yet it's the new segregation. We we want to segregate – again, we, meaning the left, the people that are um, – have made a cottage industry out of this stuff. Everything needs to be resegregated, right? We need to balkanize ourselves into our little tribal groups. Yeah. So uh, – I'm wondering what was the civil rights movement for exactly if we're now going to reverse engineer this and start doing it all over again? Well, that article connects to another article that said um, suicide rates have gone up 40 percent amongst white males age 25 to 64 where suicides in general take up 70 percent are white. And – the connection being, well, seventy percent are white, and they're killing themselves. Is it really a great thing to be white, or is that just something we throw out there and say, "Ah, eh, just an anomaly, just an anomaly"? What do you think? Uh, I have no idea. I, um, I don't either. I just it was interesting reading. Let's put it that way. I think there's no question that in the current cultural moment, the one group that it's fair game to basically publicly condemn and demonize are. White men. Oh, yeah. Now, now listen. Why I say that? I don't walk around thinking that I'm a persecuted white man. No, I, I, it doesn't. I don't even give it a thought. Right. So it right. doesn't. It doesn't materially affect my life in any way. So I'm not here. Don't hear me to be saying that woe is me. I'm one of the. Per-. That's not the point. However, if you read anything about sort of the current social justice movement, there is sort of one common thread, which mm-hmm. is that. White men, the men that founded this country, the men that uh, gave us our our laws, right, our literature, going all – I mean pick the classics all the way back to the – those people are bad. Yes. Because they are the ones that created slavery. They are the, they're the colonialists. They're the imperialists. They're the oppressors. And all of these other groups have been dominated and subjugated by us, Makes by sense. the group sure. that I belong to. So it's perfectly okay to sort of call these people out. And by the way – this has nothing to do with your personal ethics or integrity or morality. Yes. Your membership in that group defines you of course, as certain things, and most of those things are bad. You are correct. So I was listening to uh, Candace Owens. She has a new show on 
Prager U. Um, it's actually a podcast as well. Uh, she was interviewing Larry Elder. And Larry Elder made a point, and I hadn't thought about this, but he— Just so people know, Larry Elder is an African-American conservative. Correct. He's uh, he, he writes a lot. He's kind of a public intellectual. Yes, and Candace Owens has recently become conservative. She wasn't always, and you go back far enough, you'll find a lot of rants and raves about uh, liberalism. But he was saying, he said, isn't it interesting how you look at a college campus today, you look it's it's segregation, but promoted by progressives. They've convinced the minorities— that the progressive idea is actually beneficial to be segregated, separate black graduation ceremonies, separate black housing. You know, in the 60s, they would have been fighting against that, but now they're pushing for it. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, that's kind of, that's what I just said. Yeah. They've they've taken what Martin Luther King fought against (laughs) and they have reinstituted it. But somehow now it's woke. Yeah, it's woke because we're keeping you apart. That's somehow better. Separate but equal now is good because we thought of it, because we, we championed it. And this it is one of the reasons, and I've, I've said this repeatedly, that you hear all of these people wailing and gnashing their teeth about white nationalism and, and the rise of the alt-right. And, and I'm not going to discuss today uh, the, <laughs> the level to which I think that is a problem as opposed to, sure, those people exist. Mm-hmm. Is it systemic? No, it's not. But the larger point is... Why are people surprised that when you focus entirely on skin color, which tribe you belong to? Well, we know by you're you're either Latino or you're African-American. Why does it surprise them that since they've weaponized this, that this is the only thing that matters, that the largest group of people have suddenly realized, hey, I think I'm going to define myself by my whiteness. (laughs) You seem shocked. This is the world that they have ushered in, and yet somehow they don't think it's permissible, um, and they think it's problematic. And I agree Mm -hmm. it's problematic, but it's problematic across the board. They want to have their little tribal identities and their hierarchy and their spoil system, and the only thing that they care about is that the white people have collected themselves into this group, and now they're attempting to wield power in this fashion. Well, guess what? These are the rules that you have now set forth. Everyone's going to play by them. Yeah. What do you expect otherwise? So I came across a clip from AOC. I have to play it. And I know you don't don't have to. I have to play. You are. You are choosing just to do this because it's going to make you chuckle. Just listen. Like, I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a.k.a. AOC, and, like, I want to talk about, like, climate change, because, like, there's no doubt cow farts are making the climate change. Like, in July, the climate was 96 degrees, and in February, the climate was 36 degrees. OMG, like, that's a huge change in the climate and only... Not in your fingers. <laughs> four months... Like, at this rate, the world is going to end in exactly 12 years. And, like, I'm only 29 years old now, so the world will be over when I'm only... Again, count your fingers. 37 years old. Like, I also want to talk about socialism, because socialism is so amazing. Like, socialism is actually short for social media. Did you know that? Like, I'm social... Media, so I'm a socialist. And, like, three of the most successful countries in the world are socialists, too. Venezuela, 
Facebook, and Twitter are all very successful socialist countries. I have a lot of friends who moved to America from Facebook. <laughs> so that Sadly, was... <laughs> that is spot on. Pretty much exactly. Yes. That could have been transcribed from any number of her interviews. <laughs> that was Ava Martinez, who was eight. And I would reckon she's probably smarter than the uh, actual article on this. So I just had to play that. It was nothing. And I just thought it was so cute. And I'm like, yep, that's. Ava will now be doxxed <laughs> and uh, attacked. Yes. Her, her stepfather filmed that and put it on YouTube and oh. felt like, oh, maybe a couple people see it. It's been seen by a couple million so far. So I. Thank you, Ava, for giving us a good chuckle as we go forward. So the full redacted Mueller report was released this past week. Um, Democrats are still saying they're going to subpoena and sue to get the unredacted version because, you know, Jerry Nadler says he has a right to see it. Sure he does. So we'll go with that. One of our favorite, I don't say only favorite, Lawrence Tribe. (laughs) Now, Lawrence Tribe. Poor, poor Lawrence. You know, now, for those of you who don't know, Lawrence <laughs> Tribe is a very well known uh, constitutional scholar. Uh, he's, In the Obama vein of constitutional scholar. Sure, sure. He's, he's a living constitutionalist, very smart man, teaches, I still believe he teaches at, does he teach at Harvard? Um, I'm pretty sure he does. Probably. Harvard or Yale, I can't Probably. remember. He's appeared before the Supreme Court. Uh, he, re, you know, he he writes all sort of amicus briefs. Uh, very very smart guy, but sort of the the progressive's go to guy on the Constitution. Who actually, even though I disagree with his view of jurisprudence, was pretty uh, for that type of guy. Tended to be fairly reasonable, rational, but Trump. Uh, like many other people, has driven him round the bit. So, with that introduction, what is Larry? What is Larry now saying? So, Larry, Lawrence Tribe, I'll use his full. He has said, "I've warned that impeachment talk is dangerous, but the time's come." <laughs> <laughs> so, the time, and here's the: if the time has come now, when the Mueller report has demonstrated there's absolutely no basis for it, the oh. time is now. So he says, postponing impeachment. Even out of fear, the Republican-led Senate will fail to convict it. No longer makes sense. Any such postponement would not only be unprincipled, it would also be politically short-sighted. To quote Brutus, going back a few right. years, we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. So he's pushing impeachment. He's this is what the framers created impeachment for this very moment. This very moment. When no crime has been committed, you had two and a half years to prove it, and nothing has been proven. <clears throat> but he says... This is something, as Elizabeth Warren said, she was right when the peach is now a point of principle and duty. Good. It's I a am, principle duty I am to impeach. cheering on Larry and Liz. I hope that they take his advice. <laughs> I want Jerry Nadler to subpoena every person uh, who's six degrees separated from Donald Trump. I want this to be... Running twenty four seven. I want you know Rachel Maddow who who has lost her marbles over this. Uh, I want this to be a constant refrain from now until two thousand twenty, as they as they basically embark on their kamikaze mission to guarantee Donald Trump another four years. He said the Mueller report asserts that Congress has the authority to apply law to quote all persons, including the president. Specifically, Congress may protect its own legislative functions against corrupt efforts designed to impede legitimate fact-gathering and lawmaking efforts. 
The authority to prohibit a president's corrupt use of power, the report finds, is essential to our constitutional systems of checks and balances and the principle that no person is above the law. Excellent. I would like to know what, first of all, what did the Trump or anybody in the Trump administration do to reduce legislative functions that's the wrong question okay that's the wrong question (laughs) because the the real question this is this is now a cult uh this is a faith-based belief system this is two years of confirmation bias so that question doesn't matter to larry no and and all of the dead enders who are now (laughs) who are now again lugging those goalposts to another continent as again this is why i actually haven't paid any attention to this since the release because these people will never, ever change their minds. It's, it's the emperor has a splendid new robe. No, he does. I don't care that he's seated naked in front of me. I insist. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter to them. They are like – it is. It's infantile. I use that term literally. They're like children who demand the pony at the bottom of the box filled with you-know-what, and they're going to find it. It's there. Yeah. And if you tell them it's not, th- and you give them a report that says explicitly their hero, right? All we heard for two years from the Larry, you just wait, you don't know, he's playing his cards close to the vest, noose is tightening, walls closing in, it's the end, they're about to flip, Manafort, all of them, Cohen, Co- uh. and of course, then it's revealed, no, it was all a lie, it was all a hoax, it was all a sham, which of course, anyone who was paying attention to this from the beginning, who actually read the ludicrous dossier, knew this, yeah. but they are so invested in this because their hatred of him is so all-consuming. Even someone as intellectually formidable as Larry Tribe, a man that brilliant, has been compl- he's floating in outer space. He doesn't care. He just wants what a child wants. He's going to fling his sippy cup unless Donald Trump is impeached. So now is the time, and I agree. Go for it, Larry. <laughs> I, just, I just read this. It just it reads like a Ludlum novel written by a two-year-old. It, it, Lawrence Tribe cannot be this jaded. He can't be this dumb. I'm it's not, it's it, not a, dumb. Again, it's not a question of being dumb. He's a brilliant man who is a true believer. This is no longer about any kind of rational thought process. This is a religious belief. It is required. This is something that must happen for them. Otherwise, they can't make sense of the world. He said this this report showcased witnesses to Trump's criminality. Okay. So I want to ask you something. And I've not seen – I haven't read the full redacted report because it's 400 pages even with the redaction. What's redacted are – names and anything identifying of those people or certain national security discussions, not, not Mueller's opinions. None of those were redacted. Correct. So getting the unredacted is there's just going to give you names that you can use as political fodder to go after somebody. There, there's basically three or four broad categories of things that would be redacted. And I think we've talked about this because this is yet another one of these media narratives. Bill Barr is in his basement with his, tape and his crayons selectively redacting on behalf of his master, Donald Trump. No, actually, he's doing this in conjunction, in conjunction with Mueller's entire team. Mm -hmm. So they're they're working through this as they always do. The law requires right now grand jury testimony must be redacted. Now, look, 
you could say, I think that's terrible. The public has a right to know. Guess what? Congress can change that. Yeah. But for now, the law does not permit that to be unredacted and released. Classified information, which is usually means and methods, sources, that's going to be redacted. And remember, remember when they were going to release the, the FISA memo? And the screeching, (laughs) we can't possibly allow them to see even a single semicolon. National security is at risk. Now everything must be redacted. So that's the second category. There are also ongoing investigations that are referenced in this report. Because if you recall, Mueller farmed out a number of ancillary things, including the Stormy Daniels episode that was going to bring down the presidency to the Southern District of New York. So there are also ongoing investigations and things related to that that can't be disclosed right now. And then there are the names of peripheral individuals who make an appearance in the report because they were interviewed. uh, They were related in some fashion to Donald Trump, but they had nothing to do with the investigation per se. They were never charged or implicated in anything. And so to protect their privacy, we redact that information. This is common. This is standard practice. The idea that this all has to be released, again, it's because their standards change by the hour depending on what they want. It just doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And But wait, going back to your comment. Yeah. So he has been part of criminality. And what exactly does he identify as the criminality? Because remember, doesn't really say. the special prosecutor was the guy that could have actually done something about that. Well, the... He, he kind of cites the written responses that Trump gave to Mueller in response to the questions. And they, that Mueller comments they were insufficient. But he didn't ask for more clarification and he didn't subpoena the president, which probably would never have been approved anyway. Maybe he knew that. But he didn't ask for clarification on the things he thought were insufficient. And the president, how dare he? The president said, I don't recall. I don't remember. Where did we hear that before? Yes. Oh, that was William Jefferson Clinton, who couldn't recall anything that was criminality, actually, more, even though he was. Actually, more recently, we heard that from one Dudley Do-Right, James, <laughs> James Comey, Comey yeah. who said that more than 240 times while under oath in front of Congress yeah. on a variety of matters that I suspect hmm, it didn't seem plausible that he didn't know and didn't <laughs> recall and didn't remember and had amnesia and was kicked in the head by a mule. So, th- again, there is no – remember, too, there's two they, – they now have – you know, there was two goals here. The first one, of course, was Russian collusion, and that has been blown out of the water, obliterated. Mueller didn't even give not, them – Not didn't according even to give Nadler. Them, Nadler. Jerry Nadler sure, thinks there's collusion. That's great. That's good for Jerry. Um, <laughs> he explicitly says – okay, he – Mueller hedged on obstruction. Okay, and I think the reason he hedged is because he wanted to throw a bone to all of the slavering people out there that were awaiting, you know, him to victoriously ride into the White House on a shining steed and arrest Donald Trump. So he didn't actually say he punted that to Barr and Rosenstein, who then yeah. said, you, there's no evidence here of anything. You can't yeah. demonstrate that. But on collusion, Mueller explicitly says there is no evidence that Trump – or anyone in his administration, even including slime bags like Manafort, all these people, had anything to do with Russia, colluding with Russia to affect an election. In fact, he even says no American, yes. whether affiliated with Trump or not, yes. had right. anything to do with this. And yet somehow you can read that to these people and, and they wrong. say this absolutely means he did it. Well, I watched the, the nine panel uh, 
I don't know what you want to call them, nine panel CNN talking heads. And they read it, said, this is what it said in the passage. Mueller invites Congress to take action either through impeachment or by exposing the disgrace, but politically acquitted Trump to criminal prosecution after he is no longer president. So long as that time comes within the five-year statute of limitations for obstruction. So they're saying, I don't think I can prosecute a president, sitting president, but man, once he gets out, if it's within that five years, boom, take it. Take a shot at sure. it. You should, because that's what we should sure. do. Sure, take a shot at it. And the nine talking heads go, and the other I thing can't is, do it any other way. And we talked about this before as well, is, is Mueller uses this cute phrasing where he says, you know, I, uh, I, do, not, I do not hereby exonerate the president. Again, yeah. prosecutors are not in the business of exoneration. Prosecutors are in the business of doing one thing, evaluating the evidence to determine whether there is a sufficient amount of it to substantiate any criminal charges. And you can bet... If there was, Robert Mueller and his team of bloodhounds would have immediately said, we got the goods. So by saying he doesn't exonerate Trump, that is utterly meaningless. But it gives the Democrats something to do. Of course he does. And that's exactly what the last 200 pages of this were intended to do, is provide selective snippets. Donald Trump had a tantrum and dropped the F-bomb when he found out that Robert Mueller was going to spend two years trying to ruin his presidency. And that's outrageous. That's indication of a guilty mind, says Jeffrey Tubin. right? <laughs> How about an indication yes. of a man who was falsely accused of a ridiculous hoax who had all of the power of the domestic and intelligence gathering agencies of this country arrayed against him in an effort to remove him from office based on lies, Mm -hmm. I think I'd be pretty upset as well. No, no, no. He should have taken this with great equanimity. Oh, yes. He should have allowed Why would you be upset? I I I laugh when I hear this because I've heard this multiple times. If you have nothing to hide, why would you have a problem with a thousand FBI agents scrounging through your entire life and interviewing your friend? Yes, you're right. I would welcome that. And that's, by the way, That's the rationale for living in East Germany before the wall fell. (laughs) That's not the rationale for people who live in a a free country. Not the president. Please, yes. You shouldn't have a problem with Big Brother combing through all of your private stuff Mm -hmm. just in case you did something. Yes. We'll let you know if we find a crime later. Oh, yes, definitely. Now, some of these same CNN talking heads have said that Trump was saved by his own people who didn't do the stupid things he wanted them to do, and they were rational and didn't fire Mueller, didn't do all these other things that he's accused of. Okay, that's, uh-huh. why, he would, that's why he that's advised like us, saying, first of all. But And dang it, that bank robber was saved by his mom who convinced him not to rob the bank, even though he really, really wanted yes. to. So and he, still prosecuted. And he drew up the plans for the safe and everything. And he, we're so upset that he didn't go through with it. You're yes. so lucky. You're so lucky you have good people around you that we don't like anyway. This is what care. I mean by we have left any universe of rational thought. You're right. You're totally right. Do you think anybody around him obstructed justice not collude because i think collusion was a joke to begin with and still a joke do you think anybody associated with president trump was in any way shape or form obstructing justice other than michael flynn pleading to it anybody no, else and that's that's just as facially ridiculous think about this now remember there is no underlying crime sure so one of the things one of the things that you have to prove if you're going to criminally charge someone with obstruction, is intent. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be evil motive, meaning my intent is to prevent lawful agencies and individuals mm-hmm. from doing their job because they're going to unearth the 
crime that I never committed and didn't exist because it was all a hoax. The entire premise of obstruction of justice is absurd on its face. But moreover, Mueller has, I mean, not Mueller, Comey has already testified. He's been asked these questions. Did anything happen to impede the ongoing investigation of Donald Trump? No. Did Donald Trump actually say, you've got free reign, talk to anyone you want? Yes. There's literally not a single fact that anything was obstructed. What they mean by obstruction is a comment like, well, this, you know, this really stinks. I, I hope you take it easy on my guy, Flynn. Yeah. Well, guess what? Or firing Comey. It's almost like you've been guilty of crime. Think we know what you were thinking. You really wanted this investigation to be over and you tweeted things to that effect. That's not obstruction of justice. So not I'll, even I'll take, close. So I've heard some people say, and I know you're the lawyer in the group here. They said you can obstruct justice even if there's no crime because you impede trying to get to the truth. Even if the truth shows there's no issue. Well, first of all, that that is the that was the expansionist theory of obstruction that is promoted by Mueller and in particular Andrew Weissman, who wanted to operate under that. Even under that ridiculous standard, which is not the law and which Barr and Rosenstein said, essentially, we reject that. But they even said even accepting that as the premise you still can't get to where they want to get. It's, <laughs> okay. it's the whole if you want to you want to hear somebody who's smart talk about this stuff, who's no fan of Trump. Alan Dershowitz was saying this a year ago based on Comey's own testimony there. And, and this is the other thing that fascinates me. And of course, the media will never talk about this. How is it that Robert Mueller could even have pursued an obstruction charge when the main the main witness, the prosecution's key witness is his best buddy, James Comey, right? So you can't even conduct that case without recusing yourself. Yeah. Did that even ever come up as a consider? Hey, guess what? One of my best pals is probably, if we get where we want to go here, the chief prosecution, which that might be a pro- – nah, don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. it. No don't good. worry about it. We don't care about that stuff anyway. Look who I packed my team with. <laughs> exactly. So slide a little bit on the Mueller report. <clears throat> To BL. And um, Scott Jennings wrote an opinion piece for CNN. Now, I don't know how this ever got published on CNN, but he said <clears throat> the Mueller report does not look good for BL, Barack Obama, for those who don't know. It doesn't smell good for him. He said that the Russian began, Russians began interfering in American democracy in 2014. Now, correct me, when was President Obama president? Was it in 2014? Well, was first, he president uh, first of all, th- I don't even know where he comes up with that date because I'm sure the Russians were interfering in American democracy long before oh. 2014. I'm going to guess 1970. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. <laughs> pre, ongoing. pre Sputnik. Yeah, okay? ongoing. So this idea that, again, this was, you know, this was some new campaign of this is what they do all so, the time. So in 2016, Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice, told her staff to, quote, stand down and, quote, knock it off as they blew, drew up plans to strike back against the Russians, according to account from Mike, Michael Isakoff and David Korn in their book, Russian Roulette. Do you believe that's possible? I, I believe with Susan Rice, that's certainly possible. I, I don't think, I don't trust her. Yeah, Susan Rice is a demonstrated liar. Um, she, she lied about Benghazi. She lied about unmasking, uh, where she had one story that this never happened, and then there was another explanation. She's exactly. basically... Uh, just a, a toady for Obama that they trot out to say whatever. So absolutely, I believe that. Speaking of toady, did not um, – who was Obama's first AG? I can't remember his name now. Oh, Eric Holder? Eric Holder. 
Did he not say he was the wingman for President Obama? Absolutely. But William Barr's in Trump's pocket. Right. But the wingman is okay. <laughs> right. Well, when you're the wingman for a light worker, that's good. <laughs> when you're the wingman for Hitler, that's bad. Don't you understand this, Chad? Apparently, I'm, I'm missing something here because right. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy's distinguished. Barr's been distinguished in now second administration. He's done a lot of things. Eric Holder's done nothing but be the wingman for President Obama and Fast and Furious. If you also remember, yeah, speaking of Fast and Furious, um, not only did the administration stonewall on that, they invoked executive privilege. Executive privilege to prevent Congress from gaining access to documents. Donald Trump did not invoke executive privilege a single time relating to the Mueller investigation. Yeah. Do you think that – did you actually hear anyone in the media point that out? Wasn't Holder held in contempt of Congress? Yes, he was. Yes. Yes, yeah. but he's the wingman. But he, but it's okay. It's, it's sure. okay when he does it. So, Adam Schiff, uh, our, yes. our our good buddy poor, Adam Schiff, poor Adam. Even he says that Obama disgraced himself. The Obama administration should have done a lot more with the Russian collusion. Even Adam Schiff, who is again no friend of Trump. Here's the thing: <clears throat> all you have to do, okay, you got these people, Larry Tribe, talking about criminality, time to impeach. If you simply took all of the policy initiatives that the Obama administration enacted relating to Russia and removed Obama and replaced him with Trump, they would be screaming from oh, yeah. the ramparts. Yep. I'll have Trump off mic. I'll have more flexibility after I'm reelected <laughs> to help Vlad with his evil and nefarious schemes. Not only that, we have an entire foreign policy based on a Russian reset, which is calibrated to treat Russia not as our chief global enemy, but some sort of geo, you know, geopolitical partner. Then you talk about, uh, let's see, invasion of the Ukraine, annexing Crimea, removal of missile defense from Eastern Europe. You could go on and on. Again, I could make, if we're operating in this realm, where any overture to Russia that is friendly – I could make an indictment up against the Obama administration in 30 seconds. I just did. If Trump had taken any of those actions, do you have any doubt that would now be further cause for he is publicly betraying the country? Of course. According to this, according to Scott Jennings, given Obama's record on Russia, one operating theory is his people needed a smokescreen to obscure just how wrong they were with Russia. They blame Trump. They've even blamed Mitch McConnell. Because he didn't sign some condemn- letter condemning Russia, even though he did. So they're, they're trying to come up with any reason why it wasn't their fault, even though it was completely their fault. I mean, at least at this point. I mean, the, the, the off-mic thing at least is something to think about. I, what, do you think, what do you think the press would have made of Trump's secretary of state uh, serving while the U.S. approved the giveaway – of 20% of the world's uranium supply to Russia. Well, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, that, that was – now, of course, Hillary. you know, it wasn't just the state. You're right. It's multiple agencies. Do you think they might have spun that into some well, problematic so – Step back a step. If, if you recall, Uranium One had to go through the State Department, yes. which was run by Hillary Clinton under President Obama. Didn't the Clinton Foundation also <laughs> receive a huge donation? Multiple huge donations. To make that work. Now, they can say one did not have anything to do with the other. And no. I will say, you got millions of dollars, and this happened. Is there a connection? Mm, 
Bill Clinton got a five hundred thousand dollar speaking fee, but I think there was like because he's that good of a speaker. I think the donation from one Russian affiliated bank, or it was like twenty four million dollars. Again, whether or not you think it's correlated, do you think that might people might have urged that we need to look into this? Right? If if all the stuff you believe about Trump. All the things that you think the Mueller report says, whether you believe them to be true or not, but if you think all that's possible, why was Hillary allowed to skate on that? Forget the emails, forget the WikiLeaks, forget, forget she looks on the surface to have taken money to approve a deal that gave the Russians nuclear capability. Yeah. It's called appearance weaponry. of impropriety. Yes, right. and it's something you've you shy got, away from. You you've recuse got, yourself. Robert Mueller is sniffing around, you know, garbage cans in the alleyway of Michael Cohen's legal mm-hmm. office, looking for, you know, something about Stormy Daniels. Do you think they would have ignored something like this? No. Had or even read about the Podesta brothers oh. and their shenanigans relating to Russian holding companies. It's amazing they make Manafort. Look like a piker. Well, they're and Manafort's that, a sleaze bag. They're complaining that Trump wants to build a hotel in Moscow. These guys have a lot more interest in in their web of, of lies over there. Go back a second. In 2010, the Obama administration declined, along with Eric Holder, to prosecute Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks madman who was throwing feces on the wall right. last week when he's arrested. Somebody, Ben Shapiro, pointed out. What is it with crazy people and throwing poop on the wall? I don't understand why that goes it's together, a, but it's a trademark. <laughs> it's something they do. They declined to prosecute him. He then goes on to release all this stuff. And that's one of the things that the Mueller report cites that Trump looked forward to the WikiLeaks stuff about the Democratic nominee, which I would respond with, well, yeah, I'm running an election against them. If there's bad stuff that comes out, I didn't put it out, I didn't give it to them. But if it comes out and it harms my opponent, I'm a little concerned why you think I shouldn't be excited right. by that. What? Why wouldn't I be excited about that? No, the, again, these people are absolutely without shame. They uh, – whatever ability they had to uh, – for self, self-reflection, self-awareness, introspection, humility, some ability to be contrite about – the the lies that they have peddled for two years that's lo- that that we've crossed that Rubicon long ago. Th- they are never. I'm talking about the media. They are never going to concede uh, that this was a hoax. They are just going to continue to double and triple down on this. Mm-hmm. Again, they're now they've declared they're part of the resistance. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't surprise anybody. Th- these are not. That's why I always laugh when. I read articles where people are saying this this is the time when the media needs to really what do you mean <laughs> they've already declared what their purpose is their purpose is no longer to provide factual information to be a neutral arbiter their purpose was to help remove Donald Trump from office and they're still attempting to achieve that goal and if they can't remove him from office they're going to at least try to hamstring him and obstruct him and essentially demonize him to the point where he's guaranteed not to win another election. Election and hopefully will be prosecuted or punished when he leaves office. That is their stated goal, and they're going to continue doing it. So any expectation that they're going to actually do the job of a journalist is laughable. Just think about that for a second, folks. We've had one impeachment – well, two impeachments, sorry. Two impeachments, one president resigned before impeachment proceedings began. We have never 
in our entire history removed any president for impeachment. Okay? No president has been prosecuted criminally post being president. This is not a banana republic. This is not the Roman Empire where you could be not prosecuted while you're in power and as soon as you were out of power, they could prosecute. This is not that. Think about what, what Tony just said. They, they want to prosecute Donald Trump, whether you like him or hate him. They want to prosecute a president the day after he gets out of office if the statute of limitations hasn't gone by. What, what do you think that will do to the country? Do you think that's a good thing? <laughs> you, I mean, the framers may have put impeachment in there, but I can't think they foresaw criminally prosecuting a former president. This is not 24. This is not the TV show 24 where well, presidents were routinely prosecuted for a criminal something. There's a number of people who have made the point here that the left, okay, which is essentially the entire Democratic Party, um, they, don't, they don't know what they're playing with here. No. In other words, what do you think the end game is? And I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about all of this stuff that you hear now that is, that is part of supposedly legitimate policy discussions. We're going to pack the Supreme Court, right? Yeah. We're going to find a way to circumvent the Electoral College mm-hmm. because now that we talked about this interstate compact, we're going to do anything that is required to make sure that we win the next election, whether cheating or not. And that's the irony is these are the people that concocted this entire story to explain away Hillary's terrible, no good, very bad loss. Yeah. And yet they're the ones that have telegraphed and they've been telegraphing this for a while. They attempted this in the aftermath of Bush Gore. They no longer accept the outcome of elections that they don't win. Mm-hmm. That is very that is very clearly their position. They will engage in lawfare. They will, you know, what are the, the, the emoluments clause? They don't care what is required so long as they find a way to retain power. And most of their rage is the fact that they expected the Obama interregnum to continue with another eight years of Hillary and the fact that this was denied to them and denied to them by a guy that they viscerally loathe just everything about him. They couldn't handle it. They just cannot mentally wrap their minds around the fact all you had to do was nominate someone who wasn't Hillary. Sadly, if you nominated Bernie Sanders, yes, you might have won. won. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, but it, it seemed more likely and, at the and time. And so instead of actually reflecting on the fact that we nominated the worst presidential candidate in history, who was beaten by probably the second worst presidential candidate in history, <laughs> we're not going to accept that. And we, we were so entitled and so uh-huh. smug and, and so willing to demean and condemn 50% of the country because we don't need their votes anymore, because we have the ascendant coalition. Yeah. Why don't you focus on that? No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna prosecute Donald Trump after he gets out of office. And then the best part of this, the most like the mind bending part, is ask one of these people, "What exactly has Donald Trump done? Can you list the what five the worst crime. genocidal crimes of the?" New- they asked AOC on on, a, on NPR broadcast. She came up with emoluments. Emoluments. Okay. That, that was the I don't first even thing. think she knows what emoluments are. I think she thinks it's like she, hair conditioner. She just said it. Right. And then she couldn't come up with two and three. But none of them can. And you know why? Because they don't exist. Here's the, here's the indictment. Okay. I'm going to be Adam Schiff. The indictment is – The indictment is lots and lots of mean tweets 
Okay, crude, mean, incendiary, including including very disturbing language about the press. Yes, has anyone <laughs> prevented is that, is that the criminal? press? Yes, is Jim Acosta still alive? Yes, he is. Right, because see, if this was actually a tyrant, all of you people would no longer be heard from. You'd be in a gulag somewhere, yes. or you'd be dead. Yes. But so okay, we have lots of mean tweets that are very unpresidential. Uh, we have the child separation policy. Okay, that's kind of their big gun, right? Which they, again, they equate to the Holocaust. Huh. Mm. Moral, no, no. no those things are same. not quite the same, even though I'm fine if you want to argue that shouldn't just, happen. Just speaking about that. They said the children that they've released into, this, into the interior of the United States, it could take them up to two years to find them. To which I replied, do they not know where they released them? Is this? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I read that article in the New York Times. That, uh, uh, two years, really? The record, the record keeping is apparently not good. So, so okay. Yeah. So that's their main. It's the child, and it's what else is it? What other? What other policies? I mean, because you hear this routinely, and and people never push back. He's obviously a racist. Wait, what? What are the racist? Po- well, it was his comments. His comments again after Charlottesville. Charlottesville, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Even if you think. Those are the most horrific racist comments ever uttered by a president. And I've pointed out that the media has brazenly taken that out of context. If you read everything that he said, that's very thin gruel upon which to base that action. But it's fine. Comments about Charlottesville. What else? Oh, the Muslim ban. Okay, oh. which isn't a Muslim ban. It's limited to six or seven countries. That it's actually, ident- a brown skin ban. Is what right, that was identified it. by the Obama administration, um, yeah. and it's fully within the president's authority to do so. Even though you detest and loathe that policy, is that it? Like, what do you got? So these people are literally talking about this guy as if he's as John, Ke- as if he was John Kerry would say, Genghis Khan. <laughs> He's a crude, inflammatory guy who all, says many unpresidential things, who, who is reckless in his rhetoric and, in fact, intentionally tries to inflame people. He's a, he really trolls people. I don't think he behaves the way a president should behave. But if you're going to treat this guy as some historical monster, you better do – more than mean tweets, Charlottesville comments, child separation policy, and oh, that's right, all Mexicans are rapists. Even though he didn't say that no, either. Animals, MS thirteen, right? Or right. Animals, We're defending. Though, we've now been driven to defending MS thirteen well, because Buttigieg, we hate Buttigieg Donald Trump. Said that last week. Buttigieg says he called people animals. No, he called the MS thirteen gang members animals. And I think if you really look at their track record, you might call them animals as well. Right. So it's kind of, again, the meme, worst fascist dictator ever, worst tyrant ever, worst anti-Semite ever, worst racist ever. If you look at how the black community is doing right now under the under the policies of this administration, as opposed to the preceding one. But none of that matters because the other they're living in an alternative universe. He said in 2016 to the black community, what do you have to lose? For 60 years. You've been voting Democrat, and guess what you've gotten? Higher unemployment, out-of-wedlock uh, families, fathers missing, jail. What do you have? Less everything. What do you have to lose? And they didn't overwhelmingly respond to vote for him, but I think they're looking back going, wait a minute. All this was promised. It's election season coming up again. 
every Democrat running, and I don't know, they're, they're 55 or 60 now, all are promising one more entitlement program after another. Elizabeth Warren, cancel all college debt. College should be free. Cancel all the debt that you took out and signed for because you were stupid and took it. Kamala Harris, we should just let everybody in that we want to let in. It should not be any limits to this. What are you talking right. about? Limits? What are limits? You know, I'm, I'm here to help you people. No, it's everything you can possibly imagine. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Candace Owens. And then in 2021, crickets. Right. Nothing actually happens. Everything is promised because they know everything they're telling you is a load of crap and will never get passed. But they tell you to get your vote. Oh, one of the today. things. One of the things I wanted to mention uh, that I just thought of is: Did you see uh, the the New York Times? I think her, I think her name is Maggie Haberman. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's one of the uh, you know the chief cor- White House correspondents for the New York Times, and she tweeted something out, literally saying, um, basically, the apparently the White House was playing Edelweiss. <laughs> And Maggie Haberman thinks that Edelweiss is a Nazi tune. Because mm, it was in Sound of Music, so therefore it's Well, Nazi. I don't know. Apparently there's a show yes. on Netflix, Man in, the High uh, Castle. Man in the High Castle, where the world, it's an alternative future. I think it's based on a Philip K. Dick novel. I've watched where, it. It's not bad. Yes. Uh, we watched parts of it. I, I didn't really get into it. But essentially they must use a, a version of Edelweiss, and it's sinister because, of course, now the Nazis actually won World War II. Right. But – Culturally, the what people associate Edelweiss with is the sound of music. Rogers that's where it came and from. Hammerstein. <laughs> and what did that song mean in that musical? Was it pro-Nazi? It was not. <laughs> it was not. It's Baron von Trapp's last song of defiance mm-hmm. as he leaves the country he loves, Austria, mm-hmm. because it's being annexed by Hitler so that he has to go serve the Reich. Well, see, the Nazis are in that movie, too. So that's obviously a, it's a well, Nazi that, but that, but propaganda. That's, that's literally the level of analysis now is it sounds Germanic. It must, it is. <laughs> it must have to do with Nazis. And since Trump likes Nazis, Edelweiss <laughs> must be a Nazi anthem. Uh. You gotta love the the deepness of these reporters. Right. So he should of, troll them and start playing Wagner at all hours at the White House. No, Flight of the Valkyries. Wagner was an anti-Semite racist. <laughs> Just so you know that in advance, he was an anti-Semite no, racist. You, that, but he was Hitler's was, favorite artist. No, that's my point. Is that if he really <laughs> wants to troll them, instead of playing a pro-Austria. Sovereign country anti-Nazi song from a fifties musical. He should actually play Wagner yes. just to, just to blow their minds. That would blow them up. So I want to talk about a, a report, White House reporter, not the one you mentioned. Um, listen to this clip and we'll comment because I want to. I just want to comment on it once it's played. Uh, April Ryan from CNN. Actually, kind of mentioned you. We're going to play that soundbite and then get get your reaction. <laughs> the American people can't trust her. They can't trust what's said from the president's mouthpiece spokesperson from the People's House. Therefore, she should be let go. She should be fired. When there is a lack of credibility there, you have to start and start lopping the heads off. So she was talking about how you had lied to the press. And then later, it's time to, you know, start firing people. We had your dad on about an hour ago. He was steamed. Curious about your reaction. 
Are they in a carnival? Look, I've had reporters Easter say egg. a lot of things about me. Uh, they've said I should be choked. They said I should deserve a lifetime of harassment, but certainly never had somebody say that I should be decapitated. This uh, takes us to a new low, even. I'll stop it there. there he, she was at the Easter egg hunt. Oh, at the, wow, like, that was very annoying. It sounded like a calliope. It, it, it was, there was a band in the background playing. So anyway, that was April Ryan. or I'm sorry, Amy Ryan, um, White House correspondent. I don't remember what paper she works for, but oh, who, it, it really cares? doesn't matter at this point. Um, she claims it was a turn of phrase. It wasn't literally to behead somebody. And I'll give her that because I don't think that was what she was intending. But my question is, had... Bill Crystal <laughs> said that about anybody well, in the Obama administration. Well, don't pick Bill Crystal anymore because well, Bill Crystal's also gone off the deep end. Yeah. Well, pick anybody you want. Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity says, I think they started lopping off the heads of Eric Holder. Do you think that would be portrayed as just a turn of phrase? I mean, there's oh, some things you, you shouldn't say. No, it's, it's, are you kidding? It's eliminationist rhetoric, Chad. So that's what my this question is. This is the becomes. reason that school shootings are occurring, because Sean Hannity is talking about lopping off people's heads. See, there you In go. In fact, this may be the reason that ISIS exists. It probably is. He has given further encouragement to ISIS to continue lopping off people's heads. Of course, that's what we would have heard. Yes. I, I don't think she should have said that. I don't think she intended how Mike Huckabee, but it is his daughter. You're talking about lopping off heads. Now, yeah, he's trying to gin up some media relations for his show, but I, I just don't think that's something oh, you say. And by the way, had it been said about a female? Yes. Okay, so this is the other thing. Yes. If you're a conservative woman, you're the whole feminist movement, you're not part of that movement. No. You're not part of the sisterhood. You don't get to wear the pink hats no. because you're fair game, right? So you add in not only that comment being made, but being made – uh, towards a high-ranking female member of the Obama administration? Oh, my word. There's multiple more infarctions going on because yes. of that. Well, it, Amy Ryan responded to Huckabee, Mike Huckabee, saying that's re reprehensible. You shouldn't say that. And she doubled down again and said, if anything happens to me or my family, yeah, I hold you right. personally responsible. Right. Like, right. what? Right. Well, she's sitting there with her tinfoil hat on because, again, the stormtroopers are around the corner ready to shut down her newspaper. So if you say anything to criticize or at least explain, you're inciting violence towards them. But they're allowed to say stuff like this or, as Sarah said, I've been told I should be choked or harassed for a lifetime. Why right. is that okay? Well, no, but that's interesting because another juxtaposition that we see here, and this is also part of this Orwellian use of language, is – Many of these people bend over backwards. They contort themselves to justify actual violence. Like we see this with Antifa, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet, then when you criticize them for justifying real violence, they'll then claim that your words mm -hmm. are actually violence. Yes. Right? That's what Ilan Omar, AOC, right. saying. Yes. By calling her out for being disrespectful to 9-11 victims and their families – you're making her a target, and therefore you're the bad person, That's not right. her. You're and, the bad and, person. Right, and specifically your words are equivalent to violence. Yes, and you're going to incite violence. People are going to threaten to kill me because, you know, oh, wait a minute. When Who shot at the Republicans? That, yeah. wasn't, a, that wasn't a Republicans. That was a Democrat who was a Bernie bro. James Hodgkinson. So I, I think she, Amy Ryan should not have said this. 
I don't think it should have been taken the way it was, but I can understand a father saying, hey, don't talk about decapitating my daughter. I'm sorry. Uh, even if right. it's a turn the of other phrase, thing is, don't say that. Do you think you would have ever heard any media member call, what was it, Robert Gibbs? No. No. A mouthpiece? No. No, of course not. To he's the people's the, house. He's the Yes, the people's house. Oh, That's please. right. Come well, on. Because you and I have the right to just fire any executive branch employee who works. They work for us, Chad. Yes. Well, I think she can't say White House because it's racist. Maybe to call not. The White House, right. Even yes. though it's white. Uh, regardless of who lives there, it's still white. And that's what we've Don't it. listen. I'm not joking about this. I guarantee you at some point within the next two years, there will be some groundswell among the fever swamps the that we can't call this the White House anymore. First of all, um, it was built by slaves, by, yeah. by slaves. This is the house of the oppressors. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to call it the Rainbow House, Ooh. right? Or I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. The Glitter House the glitter. or, I, you know, they'll, they'll have like a, a national naming contest, oh, right? Yes. Change.org. Change.org. You'll get 100,000 signatures for some Absolutely. stupid name change. You go, now you got to take it seriously. No, that was Obama's rule. That's not an actual rule. Just because 100,000 people say we want to I'm see actually, this doesn't mean I'm actually kind of amazed that this hasn't even gotten traction already because it, it's the most obvious symbol of everything. White oppression. That they, yes. Whiteness. Yeah. And it's, the, and it's white. In fact, repaint it. Yes. Well, an off brown or a mauve. I don't know. Would you? There's no shutters on it. So what would you really do to offset the color? Because it'd be one big slab. Green? Maybe green? I think you just need to raise it, salt the ground, and then build some sort of uh, – I don't know what it would look like. You know, they, they, could, uh, they could hire some you they know, probably could. They probably architect could. to redesign it yep. in a more appealing, but, but a more diverse else? way. Congress is also white. Yep. The building for Congress and the Supreme Court, it, they're all white. They'll get to them eventually. You know. What are they going to do? I mean when, when, color, when color of item – when marble is – Politically charged, you know you're in trouble. Everything, all, all the bad things must go, Chad. I don't even think about it. now. Again, I'm my white privileges show. Yes, I'm not thinking about the color of the president's house. Your I don't implicit, think about your that. implicit bias has consumed you, obviously. so therefore you obviously. really have nothing to say about. Well, this. and obviously, you know, I'm just speaking into the ether. Nobody's listening. Obviously, I've encouraged you to go to the re-education camp, and you have not attended. <laughs> so uh, no, that's on you. I have not. I have not. That's all I got tonight, Tony. You have anything you need to rant, rave, and or point? Oh out? yes, I have one thing, and, and this is gonna. I, I was talking about this for a couple of days because, and I want to see. I'm gonna. I've given this quiz to my kids. I have not. So heard I it, had so to I do. I had to say. go. I had to go shopping for a few items uh, for Easter for for things to get. That I actually, things. I actually mistakenly ate some of the Easter ingredients for various things. I had to go <laughs> get. I had to go replace them. But one of the things I had to get for a dessert that my wife made was blueberries. Okay. And I needed I got three regular size, I don't know what they are. It's like, it's like dry pints. I don't even know what that okay. is. But three normal size plastic little packs of blueberries. Okay. Sure, sure. So I want you to guess how much those three packs of blueberries cost from our local, local ju- grocery store. So I didn't go to, you know, Whole Foods and get the the farm to table <laughs> Trans-Siberian blueberries so or whatever. So if I'm going to guess, it's off-season for blueberries. So they're going to be – that means they have to be imported from somewhere not here. Right. Um, Apparently somewhere very far away. <laughs> so I'm going to guess California because everything seems to come from California. I'm going to guess they were upwards of $5 a, 
a, a pint. They were $6 each. Wow. $18. $18 for blueberries. And so every time the kids <laughs> ate one, I was like, that's seven cents. You could get you, a, that is another seven cents right there. You can get ten pounds that of Kiwanis blueberries for twenty bucks. I, I mean, I was I was literally appalled when I because I did the self checkout and you had the little voice six ninety nine and I'm like, You're like what what <laughs> am I buying plutonium? What what is going on? Wow. This Shouldn't is have eaten the blueberries. I literally, if we didn't need them for the dessert, I would have taken them back and bought like bomb pops. Like, listen, we're not having the ricotta blueberry pastry thing. We're just going to have fudgicles. Ricotta and blueberry. It was actually good. It was I, actually good, but you know that. what? It wasn't as good as it could have been because the it. entire time I was eating it, I'm like, this cost $18. <laughs> I could have had, had like seven Carvel ice cream cakes Ooh, for that. That would have been nice. Fudgy I, the whale. I've... <laughs> Free fudgy. I've never heard of that dessert, so I don't know. It was a new one, um, okay. which it was actually it was good. I, and I'm We're usually kinda... skeptical of of one of my beefs with Tara, and she knows this is whenever we have holidays. Yeah. My my philosophy is it's time to go with the tried and true things, not experimental dishes. So she always wants to be like, oh, we're having all these people over for whatever. Let's try the new kale-crusted salmon or whatever it's going to be. Oh, this dessert looks good. Like, no, 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 no. We haven't run this through the test kitchen yet. I had the perfect dessert for you. This is what my mom made for Easter for my daughter and the family. Graham crackers, chocolate, Hershey's chocolate bars, and Peeps. And you take the chocolate oh, bar. Hold on, no. no. You take the chocolate bars and you put them on the bottom of a pan. You put the peeps on top and you put it in the oven and melt everything. And you dip in with the, the graham cracker. Really quite good. It's like a s'more. Well, yeah, except uh, I don't like peeps. So well, you could that... use marshmallows. Right. Well, that, then it is just a s'more. Well, it is, but it's it's a uh, it's a springtime s'more instead of a no. So s'more. I I was skeptical of the uh, ricotta blueberry surprise, but it actually was quite Turned good. Out well. But okay. again, it, I couldn't enjoy it because I knew <laughs> I knew the princely sum. I was like I need to take out a line of credit to <laughs> to, buy the, to buy the blueberries. So maybe you should have gone to Whole Foods. You might have gotten bigger blueberries or something. I don't know. Yeah, my I asked the boys, yeah. and they were like, "Yeah, it's okay. I don't know, one dollar." One dollar. Yeah, they're still living in like 1950. They don't buy these things. No, they at don't. All. They don't go grocery shopping. If they actually saw what the weekly grocery bill oh, was, they, they would, would be, not be happy. No, they would be astonished. Yeah. So, went to get my daughter a new bike recently, and we went to Target first because it was we were nearby, and we saw some bikes, but nothing really fancy. But she's looking at the price tag. She's going, "Oh, we can't spend that much on a bike. I don't need a bike that badly." That's I'm like this is a ten year old telling you don't need yeah. a bike. I'm like. Okay, what do you care about the price? Since when do you understand that? We go to a bike shop, and they help her, and they size her, and they put her in the right thing, and they let her try it out, and she gets this nice helmet, and she's like, I really like this. I, I think we should buy it here. Well, it was three times as much. Oh, sure. So it makes sense that she would think you that should, was better. You should have showed her one of those ultralight uh, bikes made out of, you know, unobtainium or whatever that <laughs> cost. Ten grand. Yeah, yes. For, and that's like, a, that's like a middle class one. Yeah, and I, I told her, I said, we're not buying. I said, this bike will. Should suit you until you're an adult, the size we got. She's like, oh, that's good. That's good. I said, but I'm not buying you another bike. This is it. <laughs> this is so you better expensive. not crash. You better not crash. If you fall, it's on you. But I said, I don't need a carbon fiber uh, unobtainium. Yes. I, I just need something that she's going to be able to move around on and, and has gears, you know, because she's moving up from the non-gears to the gears. I'm like, okay, we're good. So she's now, happy. You, you're going to send her down your driveway? She already has. Wow. We've already done it. We went... She and I went for Wait, a bike ride. Like at full speed? 
No, she had the brake on most of the yeah, time. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't have much uh, area. I to... went full speed. She had the brake on. Because I've ridden a bike longer than she has, so I feel like I can handle that. A few more months than she has on uh, the bike? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> quite a few more months. My wife said, I didn't realize you could ride a bike. I'm like, why <laughs> did you think I couldn't? I, she goes, I don't normally see I'm like, okay, I don't normally ride well, that a bike. That would but... have been a skill set that you normally assume. I, I, you know. Now, my mother can't ride a bike. Okay. She never learned to ride a bike. She went down a bike on one time when she was 12 and crashed into a well. And that was the last time into she rode. Into a well? It was the 50s. And she crashed into <laughs> the well. It was like one of those. I don't, like it was a, Are we talking about like a well that the top of it is like protruding out of the earth? Well, that you of, send the, the, bucket the open down. bucket yes, down? The bucket down. Yes, that's the kind of well she fell. She crashed into. So the, the arbor around it and everything. Wow. Yeah. And that was the last time. Her dad had told her, don't ride a bike because she lived on a, a very busy road. And she disobeyed at 12. It took her 12 to disobey, but she did it and never rode a bike. Hasn't ridden a bike since. Everything doesn't know how to ride a bike. But my wife was surprised. And I'm like, why are you surprised? I used to ride my bike everywhere. You know, I have to say, I've been telling the kids, and I am going to, I need to get a bike for this summer. I haven't really ridden a bike in a long time. In fact, I think. Because you have a car. Well, (laughs) it's just not, I probably should do it more often, but. I was a huge, avid bike rider as a kid and mm-hmm. had the whole, well, you know, like the mongoose and we did all the, you know, stuff sure. in the backwoods sure. and almost like punctured our lungs on tree roots and whatever else. And why wouldn't you? But the last time that I remember actually riding a bike had to be, well, the boys were very little. So it, it had to be like around 10 years ago. We went to the beach and one of our friends brought one of his, he has like a road bike. You yeah, know, one of these yeah. like sort of Tour de France kind Ooh, of bikes. Thin wheels, huh? Well, not only thin wheels. The seat was like a giant razor blade. It was I could I not, I and I had the little um, pull behind cart so that the you know the Seriously? kids. Were, oh, I stood up Most the entire yep. ride because it was like a torture device. Mm-hmm. And I got back I'm like, you actually sit on that thing? No, it's not worth it. I- I actually had my seat changed because it was one of those torture devices. I said, "This is uncomfortable." This, I'm not this was this. like a comp. This was like a custom seat. Oh. De- I don't know, designed by the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. I can't, I couldn't believe that he could ride for fifty yards on that thing. He or, loved or, it or want to. He probably had no feeling in his backside. It was all numb. I'm sure he's going to have some sort of permanent nerve damage. Has to. Um, Has to. It was amazing. And so that sort of put me off. You know what? I don't really think I'm going to be getting a a road bike. And plus, that's the other thing in this area, which is sort of one of my pet peeves, is the little, the the mini Pelotons that you see. Now, look, I have nothing against people that ride bikes. It's great. It's good exercise. But if you are a middle-aged man and you you are in full... You're in full Lance Armstrong regalia with your wind tunnel helmet, right? The thing kidding, that right? the kidding? thing that looks like uh, like the thing that Rick Moranis wore in yeah. Spaceball, right? Like yeah. this this yeah. arrow. Like okay, listen, you're not com- actually competing for the Tour de France. In fact, when you stopped at the other corner, you were smoking a cigarette. So please take that helmet off right now. How about just wearing some cargo shorts, right? <laughs> like a normal Do person. you you need to be like a sausage stuffed into your, you know, it's like got the U.S. Postal Service thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're not actually it's on official. that team. It's official. We saw, I, mean, I saw a guy like that on, on Saturday. There's a few guys that look like, okay, you know what? 
you look like you've got like some skills. Yeah. Uh, you look like you could at least pass for some. But half of these, like, no, no, that, that's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I, I passed the guy on Saturday. He looked. He had to be in his seventies, and it wasn't a good seventy. He looked like a hard seventy. And he was riding up the side of a hill, and I'm like, why are you wearing that? What possible reason do you think that's comfortable? Because it's not. It, I've, I've worn spandex. It is not comfortable. I don't care what people say. Maybe women love it. I think it's I horrible. mean, it's like the automotive equivalent would be me driving around in my car with my Ferrari racing shoes on with a, full on, with a full-on Formula One helmet, right? <laughs> you know, like oh, you're yes. not actually in a race. Do you know that? Exactly. No one is timing this leg mm-hmm. of the Tour de Carlisle. It's just not It's not happening. <laughs> I, I kind of get annoyed when people are on back roads and there's nowhere for them to get over. And you're oh, I don't really get annoyed. My, my thought is there's no way I'm on this road on a bike. No. Because there's no shoulder. Nope. And you've got people all the time, you know, that are like they, they can't stay between the lines. Yeah. They come around these blind corners. You're getting punted into the shrubbery. Yep. I mean – Rails no, to trails is the only thing. I, rails to trails or a flat parking lot or something. I'm not riding out on the. Not with my daughter. We went in our, our development, but I would never take her on a road. She's like, Daddy, why can't we go across the road? I said, Because there's cars coming all the time and you're not great. You need to yeah. get a lot more experience before I even think to push it across that I feel comfortable. What are, you, what are your thoughts on those recumbent bikes? Have you ever seen those? Uh-huh. I like them. No. I mean, you look. You look goofy, and they get the big whipping flag in the back so they, everybody can see them because you're so low to the ground. No, but, but that's exactly why I don't like them is that there is no way that I would feel safe on a bike like that, that low to the ground. Because here's my thing. How do you, how do you bail out? You're like you sitting in a bathtub. Yeah. So if you had to have some emergency <laughs> evacuation, yeah, that's true. You're, not, you're dead. You're, I mean, well, that's again, I wouldn't ride it on the road. I would ride it around. A, what, in your backyard? No, in a, in a development or rail strip. Because a lot of them, they put mirrors on so you can see what's coming behind Okay, and you. then how ridiculous would that be? That oh, you're, Hold on. You're, it's already ridiculous. It's no, already but, ridiculous. But I often see guys on those on oh, like yeah. full on I out on the road with no. cars no, I, I wouldn't do past. it. I wouldn't do and it. And they got their little, you know, their little rear view mirror as if that's yeah. going to help. Oh, I can see the grill that's going to crush me in one second. <laughs> exactly. And since I'm basically lying flat, like on a Barca lounger, <laughs> Maybe I, I underneath the I'm truck. in the worst possible position to try to escape and save my life. <laughs> that's possible. I don't, I wouldn't do it on a road. I wouldn't do it with trucks around. It just, it's not safe. That's why the big flag is up there to kind of draw attention. The fact there's something there. You maybe want to, you know, at down. least on a motorcycle. You, okay. You know, <laughs> you, you can, can you can lay up. it down. No, no. I mean, oh. the worst yeah. case scenario. How do you lay down a recumbent bike? There's, if you know. actually tried, tried, if you tried to crash it, I don't think you could do it. It'd be like, hard. What are you going to do? Like wiggle around, like try to flip it over? I don't know. I guess you could lean to one side and maybe it would flip, but I don't know if that's going to get you out of the way of anything. I don't think so. I think the center of gravity is so low, you would just like stay steady as you get yeah. run over. Hey, if you ride a recumbent bike or know somebody who does, ask that question. What do you do if you got a bail? Because we don't know. If you know, let us know. Because I have no idea. Not a clue. Is there um, unless there's some sort of like ejection seat that would be? You would got you, a little red button. Maybe, maybe. Last thing, I, I was talking to my daughter today, and I said, "What sports do you want to play?" And we went through a bunch of different sports. And I curling. Said, I said, "How about golf?" She's left-handed. There's a lot of untaken golf scholarships for women at a lot of universities, especially for left-handers. And I said, "Great." She goes. I like golf. And then she started to describe what she was talking about. Clown's head, windmill. I'm like, <laughs> no, I said, no, not the mini golf. There's no mini golf team. It's the actual golf. Right. Uh, oh, no. She's like, I don't think I want to do that. The mini golf is fun, but I don't want to really well, hit that far. 
because I want it all close together. I'm like, okay, I guess that we haven't. You know what? Here, At but... the rate the Olympics are going, there will soon be a mini golf uh, competition <laughs> in the Olympics. Can guaranteed. You imagine, can you imagine a mini golf team? Wait, which which course do you want to go to? Ours or yours? How, how is that really any different from some of the stuff that's already there? Uh, well, not I'm talking the Olympics. I'm gonna talk college scholarships. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get we're raising support for the mini golf team. Wait, can you imagine that? Yes, I can actually. <laughs> It's probably a in, progressive thought in our process. in this in this era. Yes, I can absolutely imagine that. <laughs> Particularly if you tied it to some social justice cause, yes. you would have all sorts of scholarships. Well, if again, if you know some extreme out there sport that has college scholarships for it, just let say us you're know. you're protesting the patriarchy by playing mini golf and yeah. Hey, did you know there's a there's a um, I don't, what's it called the horse team for Penn State. Equestrian? Equestrian, yes, there we go. A horse <laughs> team. Couldn't think of what I was going to say. <laughs> Duh. But, but what I was told was when they go to a competition, you f- you fly there and you use the horses of the, the home team. You don't take your horses with you. So what? It, what you've trained on, you go somewhere else. And I'm like, really? I guess, I mean, that would be weird if you're trained with a horse. Like kind of You kind of meld with that How horse. Does, wait, that doesn't make any sense. She said her daughter's on the equestrian team at Penn State. You're just riding what? the other horse over the jumps and whatever. The, I guess. The koi pond. Hey, what? I didn't know Penn State had an equestrian team, let alone that they traveled. I think you, I don't I don't believe that. Well, <laughs> no, I think there's something wrong with that information. It, it, it certainly could be, but I've not. I don't know. I don't know. Because but, isn't the whole point is that you're being, again, my knowledge of uh, the art of equestrian riding. My, my knowledge of seeing the word equestrian Could, could not fill a note card. But isn't the idea that you are being judged as rider and horse as a single unit? And the yes. whole point is that you have spent all this time training. If you're riding the other horse. I don't know. What? What? I, I don't know. No, don't. that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> He's calling BS if you. That's three things. If people know about the equestrian teams at colleges, which yes. again did not know, if someone, least, I would be fascinated to know how that would work. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Please let us know. Send us a voicemail. Let us know how it works. We'd, we'd love to play it. Plus, then they could sabotage you doing their secret horse whistle from the side, showing you know, telling Blutus to. Well, boy, you know, you're really going into the sabotage. You're really looking for the 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 mean. Well, of part course, of, of course. I mean, it's just like any other sport, right? You're going to get an edge. So if they're riding your horse, you're not cheating. You're not trying. Is that what you're thinking? Is it yeah. not, NASCAR. You get them off their feed, whatever you know. You get them sure. off. Well, I think they have to ride the horse too. You know, you can't get them off. So they they share the horses between riders. It's not. Why would the horse listen to someone that's not their regular? I think rider? the spurs have something to do with. Yeah, that, I don't, don't know. You? I I need someone to explain that because I'm not buying that. You're not a big equestrian. No. I'm not a big equestrian. I don't know. I was when I was at finishing school, when I was playing polo, <laughs> and but now no longer. I, I've soured on the experience. Twelve hands, that's, that big. Yes, we had. A, there was a traumatic event when we hit the last gate, and I lost the. Uh, <laughs> yes, I lost the tri-state regional championship, and now uh, sounds like a Hallmark movie. Many right? hours of counseling. Yes, we're gonna leave it at that because. I- we're really digging ourselves a hole here. If you know anything about any of the three topics we talk here at the end, recumbent bicycles, yeah. equestrian. What was the third one? Uh, extreme sports that might actually get a college scholarship. Oh, uh, mini golf scholarship. Mini well, golf. That, that, there's nothing to add about that. But well, if you know of a college that has a I w- mini golf I would scholarship, like to team, know, I'd like to know. I would like to know the most effective way to bail off a recumbent bike. I'd and like to know if there's a scholarship available for my daughter to play mini golf. There's in college. not. There's not. But you don't can, know that. We can endow one. And then I also would like to know, or actually have debunked the idea that the traveling equestrian team uses the other team's horses. 
I'm just going with what I was told. I don't know. It's secondhand knowledge. I know that right. doesn't always count in court of law, but we'll go with it. And, if, and if, if that is correct, we will do some sort of penance. Yeah, give us a call, 717-739-5432, 717-739-5432. The end. That's it. Thank you. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.